you're listening to the Locked In Podcast. Here's your host, Algernon Cash. I'm Algernon Cash, and you're locked in. Um, recently, in early November, um, a recent analysis uh, disclosed that many of North Carolina's nonprofit hospitals, including the three largest right here in the triad, are not fully honoring their charitable mission. Uh, the analysis by John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health was requested by State Treasurer Dale Falwell and the North Carolina State Health Plan. Uh, the state treasurer does have oversight authority over the state health plan, which has more than 727,000 participants that include current and retired state employees, teachers, and legislators. It is North Carolina's largest purchaser of medical and pharmaceutical services. You've heard from Treasurer Falwell on my show before. He's locked in with us again. Um, how you doing, state treasurer? I'm doing great. And Merry Christmas to you and the great listeners of WTOB. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So, I, you know, to just just jump in, um, what, what made you commission this, this analysis that you all released in, in late, late October? This all started about three years ago, uh, four years ago, when we were trying to determine what our state employees were actually paying for health care. Uh, your listeners uh, may remember uh, those watching on Facebook Live when I attempted to find out what we're paying for health care. This is what was returned to me. Every single page of the master charge list was completely blacked out. So as we've gone through this process, um, we've obviously some things have happened at the federal level with not only the current president, but the previous president as they try to bring transparency to healthcare. One part of this is really important for your listeners is to understand we're talking about a product that they would rather not consume because that would mean they weren't sick. When they try to inquire what it's going to cost, they're told it's none of their business. And then when they don't pay for what they didn't want to consume, where they couldn't determine the cost, then in many instances, their credit rating is destroyed. On top of all this, we start looking at the fact that hospitals and have become more cartel-like. And that is a very strong word to use with your listeners. But when I was attending Winston-Salem State and UNCG, I was reminded that because I stuttered more than I do currently, that when I was at a loss for words, just go to the Bible or the Webster's Dictionary and it'll put you in the right direction. I use the word cartel for a couple of different reasons. Number one is, and Webster's is defined as an association which is formed to restrict competition and raise prices. What's happening in North Carolina is the concentration of healthcare into the hands of fewer and fewer multi-billion dollar nonprofits who are operated by these multi-billion dollar executives. And just to be clear, we're not talking about the people who actually do the work of healthcare. So part of this process is that uh, these multi-billion dollar nonprofits receive hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of tax benefit, sales tax, property tax, and income tax. And, you know, with all the businesses that you're in, Algernon, just imagine uh, how profitable your businesses could be if you didn't pay those three important taxes. The reason your listeners should be outraged about this 
is the fact that these taxes is what funds things that you talk about on your show all the time. Public education, public safety, public works and public roads are funded by sales tax, income tax, and property tax. So this Johns Hopkins report came out and started looking at the amount of charity care that these hospitals are supposed to be providing in relation to the tax benefit they were receiving. And the score wasn't even close. Yeah, from just looking at the summary of the analysis, it appears that um, just it was just around 60% um, that, that, that of, of charity care that they're providing in relation to the, the actual tax exemptions that they're, they're receiving. Um, what's been, since the, the analysis was released, and I'll reiterate for my audience, the analysis actually came out late October, early November. So it, it has been out there for a little while. And you can certainly go read and, and learn more about it. But what's been the reaction from the hospitals and, and the North Carolina Healthcare Association since the analysis was published? Uh, we have not heard or seen or received any official uh, response from them. And, you know, why should they? They're the cartel. They get to set the price and also through something called certificate of need. Uh, and by the way, if you say the first letter of each of those words quickly, it's pronounced con, which is exactly what it is. Uh, certificate of need is also uh, controlled by the cartel where they control the supply. So if you are uh, doing things that can result in lower quality, lower access and higher cost, and you control the supply, you pretty much uh, don't have to respond to anyone. Yeah, so like this analysis that 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 just got released from the treasurer's office. I mean, treasurer, this wasn't your first conflict with um, the hospitals here in North Carolina. Um, I, I know you you have called on um, you've called on hospitals in North Carolina to basically make the state health plan more of a network similar to what you'd see with with Medicare, um, and and the cost of those services would be tied to Medicare um, rates. And obviously the North, North Carolina hospital systems have opposed that. Why, why, do you, why is that so important um, for our, our community and, and, and even voters across North Carolina to be paying attention to? Exactly. And by the way, when you said, have we heard any response from the, the hospital association or the rest of the members of the cartel? The answer is no. Have we heard responses from citizens across North Carolina? who all know that something's wrong? Absolutely. But let's go back to the why, and it's very important in the context of your question that, that we remember, uh, you know, Kelly King always admonishes us, the former head of BB&T, that if you, if you focus on the why, if, if you get the why right, you can figure out the how. And the reason uh, that we attempted, why we're trying to get rid of secret contracts in healthcare is because we are, ending going to go off a cliff with healthcare cost. And this is, this is true with your individual listeners, your listeners that happen to own business or the largest purchaser of healthcare in North Carolina, the state treasurer's office through the state health plan. So let me be absolutely clear about one thing. We didn't offer Medicare reimbursement rates. There are three rates that your listeners need to think about. Medicaid reimbursement rates, then go up the ladder, there's Medicare reimbursement rates. We offered 170% of Medicare reimbursement rates, 170%. So my point of saying that to you is that 
what we're trying to do is trying to figure out which they pretty much admit that the state health plan, those that teach, those that protect, and those that serve are cross-subsidizing other things that are going on in their business. And what's so uh, bizarre to me is that the problem with these cartel-like hospitals is that they always complain about they don't, people aren't paying them. Well, these hospitals have been sold for billions of dollars. Why would Wall Street investment bankers pay billions of dollars for something that doesn't earn a profit? And the answer is they do make a profit, a very handsome profit. The second bizarre thing to me is that if everyone would just close their eyes, not while they're driving, of course, but if you just close your eyes and imagine the economic gold rush that would come to North Carolina, not the torso of our state, which the census shows is doing pretty well, you know, Charlotte, Mecklenburg, the triad and the triangle. I'm talking about the legs, the arms, the toes, and the fingers of North Carolina, rural North Carolina. If we were to become known as the state with transparent health care, it's unimaginable uh, the amount of economic activity that would come to North Carolina. You know, you, you, you spoke about the um, multi-billion dollar mergers that are happening within the healthcare um, industry, specifically with hospitals. I know you're on record opposing uh, the merger between Atrium and, and Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. Um, you know, they would probably argue that they're the largest employer in the county. Um, they own a lot of real estate in the county, real estate, and, and so they make contributions to our, our local economy that way. What, what would be your response to, to that? A, that's exactly what I would expect them to say. Uh, but B, as I said earlier, I think any of your listeners who were given an amount of money to start a business where they didn't have to pay sales tax, income tax, and real estate taxes could be generate employment and economic activity for our community also. Uh, the fact is, as you just pointed out, uh, these uh Hospitals, these nonprofit hospitals are very much, if you look at their profit and loss statement, are very much just in the investment and in real estate development business. And by the way, there are many instances of them being in the real estate development business where they also don't pay sales tax, income tax, or property taxes. So, in some respects, they are a competitor against other people who would like to be in that business who do pay those taxes. Now, I, I, have, I have long argued that I think one of the, the, the drawbacks of Forsyth County is the fact that you have um, a Novant and, you know, formerly known Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center that, that owns so much property across the county. But because they don't pay property taxes, it, it, it doesn't allow for us to expand the tax base in a way that makes a lot of sense and, and, and effectively. And so I would encourage my listeners um, to, to look deep in that. I know that um, at one point, many, many years ago, I lost track of it. I know Mayor Alan Jones had threatened um, to have these hospitals start paying property taxes. Um, and I'm not sure how that goes and, and whether or not the legislature would have to weigh in on that. But just, just to give my listeners a little bit of a, some insight here, Atrium Health was reported with receiving state tax exemptions worth $440 million while providing $260 million in charity care uh, Novant received state tax exemptions worth $324.1 million while providing $179.1 million in charity care. Cone Health received exemptions worth $131.6 million 
while providing $105.7 million in charity care. And then Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center, now an affiliate of Atrium, was reported with receiving state tax exemptions worth $210 million while providing $54.8 million in charity care. This is all happening at a time where somewhere around 20% of North Carolina households are, are actually have medical debt and collections. And so people's credit rating is, is getting destroyed, as the treasurer just mentioned. You know, treasurer, are we at a point where the legislature needs to step in and, and start to mandate that charity care spending either meets or exceeds the actual tax exemptions? I've always said uh, to your listeners and to you for the decades that we've known each other, it doesn't take a law to do what's right and what's wrong. You know, in these charity cases, this, these numbers that you just quoted, which, by the way, don't come from the treasurer's office. They come from public records as compiled by Johns Hopkins University. So let's be clear. When they talk about the charity care, there's even a debate about what is actually charity care. There's a debate as to, as to whether uh, uh, they put in the retail or the rack room uh, price in that charity care instead of reasonable and customary. Uh, we're doing a lot of research, for example, about uh, what, what makes up some of this charity care and the impact it's having on somebody's credit rating. And this is far different than when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s. Uh, credit ratings matter back then, but currently credit scores determine what you pay for a cell phone, whether you get the benefit of the doubt of renting a piece of property, or obviously what you would pay for an interest rate on a, on a house. My point of saying that to you, to have someone's credit destroyed because of something they would rather not have consumed, that no one would tell them what it cost is, is in my opinion, uh, discriminatory. And we should no longer be a part of that. Unfortunately, uh, we have attempted to, you know, bring some sanity to this whole situation, uh, but that has not been successful. I filed a bill 12 years ago to try to right-size some of these billions of dollars of tax exemptions these, quote, nonprofits are getting. And, but now some other folks are getting involved and, and people are seeing exactly what you just said. And it wasn't just you, Al, who said that. You know, Senator Elizabeth Warren said in the Democrat presidential debates two years ago that the leading cause of bankruptcy in the United States is things associated with medical debt. So whether it's former Treasurer Harlan Bowles uh, 38 years ago, Bill Gates 14 years ago, State Alter Beth Wood 11 years ago, Warren Buffett four years ago, Elizabeth Warren two years ago, the previous president or the current president Everyone knows that something is broken with healthcare in the United States, and especially in North Carolina. No, I, I, I think it's unquestioned and undoubted that we have some health disparities throughout this entire country. And, I, I, you know, for my listeners, this particular issue that you're listening to today, um, I think it disproportionately affects minority and, and rural voters, um, where, where typically they're going to spend a larger portion of discretionary income towards healthcare expenses. And, and so it's important that um, the work that Treasurer Falwell is doing, um, that, that we not only pay attention, but, but support it. Um, and as, as you continue to say, Treasurer, this is a service and a product none of us want to consume. Um, you're, you're, you're consuming it out of emergency reasons. And um, it, it's important that these, these large companies and these, these nonprofits, so to say, 
are not just making money on the backs of um, you know voters across North Carolina. I know, Treasurer, you've called on um, State Attorney General Josh Stein uh, to actually investigate the trade practices of these nonprofits. What's been the, the response from the Attorney General's office? Uh, no response at all. Uh, and uh, we manage $250 billion at the Treasurer's office. That's nearly 10 times larger than the state budget that was just passed. And we're considered the keepers of the public purse. We, we can't be the keepers of the public purse and the protector of the consumer all at the same time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's only one fingerprint on the cartelization of healthcare in North Carolina, and that's the Attorney General. And it, wasn't, it wouldn't matter what political party he's a member of. Uh, the fact is, is that when you put your stamp of approval on the consolidation of healthcare into the hands of multi-million dollar executives who operate these multi-billion dollar nonprofits to the detriment, you talked about rural and minority, and we can also include low and fixed income people. Uh, as I have said before, I don't want to be on that side of history. Yeah. And, and you know, I know recently, it's my last question for you, Treasurer, before I got to let you go. Um, I know the General Assembly has given you a little bit more authority to, to make some changes to the North Carolina State Health Plan um, with the hope that you can bring costs down. Um, you know, from my audience, what are some of those changes that you've either made or are hoping to make? We've just uh, a year or so ago negotiated our Medicare Advantage contract. Part of that contract negotiation was we, me watching a commercial on Steve Harvey one night. Uh, I love Steve Harvey. And <laughs> other than my wife and you, he's the only person that can make me smile. So uh, anyway, uh, we, that contract resulted, you're not going to believe this, zero premium to the member for the basic plan. $4 a month premium per month to the dependent, no cost to the taxpayer. Zero premium to the participant, $4 a month to the dependent, no cost to the taxpayer. That's an example of what we do at the treasurer's office, taking advantage of our largeness. But that only applies to those over the age of 65. Now we got a big group of folks like myself who were born between 1948, and 1962. I know that's hard for you to imagine that era, but we got a large portion of folks like me between the ages of 50 and 65 who aren't on Medicare Advantage. So we've got to really start focusing in on the 20% uh, of the costs, 80% uh, of the costs associated with 20% of the claims for that group. And the whole reason for this, getting back to the why, is so that we can ultimately lower family premiums. A beginning trooper or beginning teacher uh, has to work one week out of every four this year to pay the family premium. Now, when you're working at Honda Winston-Salem or uh, site garbage service where I used to work or some of the other Mayberries that I worked at in Winston-Salem, you know, not being able to get the lowest cost for healthcare for a small business, that's maybe understandable. But when the largest purchaser of healthcare can't do it better and more efficiently, especially in terms of family premium, uh, that's why this is so important to me. Well, to my audience, you know, I always enjoy having State Treasurer Falwell here. Um, he is doing really, really important work. Um, we have so many people across the state that either currently works for the state or maybe have worked for the state in the past. And these are the people that a lot of times are sacrificing the most. Uh, these are your teachers, um, your public safety officers, your school bus drivers. 
um, your cafeteria workers. I mean, you, you, you think about all these great people that have served the state in the past and continue to serve the state currently, and Treasurer Falwell in his office is working to make sure they have adequate access to health care um, and a nice retirement when they do decide to retire um, so that they can live life comfortably. And so your State Treasurer Falwell is doing really, really great work down in Raleigh. Um, I would encourage you to go read this analysis that was re, um, uh, released in late October. Uh, Treasurer, can they find that analysis on your website or, or do they need to go to John Hopkins? How can you how can we get a copy of the report? By the way, they get really frustrated when we don't put the S on John's. Uh, I got okay. corrected on that five times. So it's Johns Hopkins. They go to John's NC Treasurer. NC Treasurer. Sorry, I, they corrected me five times. Uh, nctreasurer.com. Of course, when they go to nctreasurer.com, they're going to see another tab for nccash.com. Just another valuable reason, not just for the information that you provide, but it could be a financially valuable reason for, for folks to get locked in. Well, I, after the last show, I went and entered my name and um, I, I didn't hit the lottery, but I'm, I'm going I'm to keep trying. I encourage my audience. Um, Treasurer Falwell is not only trying to make sure the state saves money, but he's also trying to make sure if he has some of your money that he gets it to you. So you want to go to nccash.com, put your name in, and who knows, maybe you'll have a check coming um, from the state treasurer's office. Um, Treasurer, again, thank you for locking in. Always great to have you. You always share really good information and it's timely. Um, and to my audience, I always enjoy producing these conversations. All the content that I produce for all the platforms that I work with are totally supported by subscribers and sponsors. And so if you want to be either or, please reach out and contact me. Don't forget to go check me out. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And until next time, y'all stay locked in. The executive producer of the Locked In Podcast is Algernon Cash for WCG. The associate producer is Tim Beeman for Such and Such Media. The views and opinions in this podcast are solely those of the contributors and are not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting company. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without express written consent of WGC.